Hello and welcome to run number 24001 of the NJ Fire Guys. This is our first live episode. We have a special guest tonight, Chief Aaron Heller. And we'll give you a little bit about Chief Aaron Heller. Chief Aaron Heller began his fire service career in 1984. He retired as a deputy chief with the Hamilton Township, New Jersey Fire Department. He was assigned to the training division. He previously served as fire chief in Hamilton Township Fire District Number no. 9 before their consolidation. Deputy Chief Heller is a New Jersey Level 2 fire instructor, licensed fire official, and an EMT in the state of New Jersey. He is a past chief of the New Egypt Volunteer Fire Company and past chairman of the Board of Fire Commissioners in Plumstead Township. Chief Heller is a senior fire instructor with the Mercer County Fire Academy. He instructs and has been presenter at several national, regional, and local training events throughout the United States and abroad. He has written and been published in Fire Engineering Magazine, Fire and Rescue Magazine, and the Fire Department Training Network, and several other local publications. He is a former co-host of Fire Engineering's Hump Day Hangout on training. Chief Heller is also a founding member of the New Jersey Fools Chapter of the Fraternal Order of Leatherhead Society and holds a bachelor's degree in fire science from Columbia Southern. He is also the owner and operator of On-Scene Training Associates, LLC. So without further ado, I bring to you Chief Aaron Heller. Hey, Chief, how are you? There we are. Hey, Chief, how are you? I'm Welcome, well, and thank man. you for being on our first episode. I appreciate it. Ah, I'm cool. uh, absolutely cool. humbled. Excellent. It's, it's great to be with you. So, uh, tell us about yourself. Tell us, uh, you know, where you grew up, what brought you to the fire service, and uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into the, the career you've had. I mean, it's been awesome. It's been a blessed career. I've been very, very fortunate. You know, it's uh, it's like a Jimmy Buffett song. Nowhere, you know, nobody from nowhere. I, I started out, <laughs> I started out very small. I, I you know, I'm still there. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I started as a junior member. Uh, I got into the fire service somewhat accidentally. Uh, my sister was a volunteer firefighter. She was she had married into a, a firefighting family in Burlington County in Juliustown, New Jersey, little, little no traffic light town, you know, single, single engine and a tanker and a brush truck there. And, uh, I used to hang out with them a lot when I was a kid and, and, uh, they were taking in runs here and there and doing drills out in the back parking lot. And I'd go over and just watch them. And when I turned 14, they're like, Hey, if you want to do this, you can, you can do it. So I said, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll try it. It'll be fun. Something different to do. You know, I didn't know. I really knew nothing about it. The only thing I knew about the fire service was uh, some of my dad uh, or some of my friends' dads were volunteers in New Egypt. And, uh, you know, I remember them. I remember them bringing the rigs to the school when I was a little kid and all that. But I didn't know anything about the about the fire service or the job at all. And it was a different time. You know, this is the 80s, the, the mid 80s. I was more interested in playing baseball, you know, and, and chasing girls. And that was that was all I cared about. And uh, it kind of it like like everybody that you talk to that's that's into the job it just got into my blood and that was the end you know when i realized i wasn't going to be a big league baseball player and uh you know i had my knee operated on when i was a senior in high school so that pretty well ended my my college 
kind of college aspirations. I, I lost a bunch of scholarship offers and, uh, you know, my dad told me, figure it out. And uh, so I said, well, you know, I'll go to college to, to go to community college and, and, you know, see about fire science or something, try and get on a job. There were some places hiring. I, I always figured I'd, you know, I'd go to Camden or Trenton or Philly or, or New York or somewhere. Cause back then there weren't a lot of jobs in, in the small departments. None of, none of the, the volley departments back at the time were really hiring. So, you know, there were oh, very, they few. all had volunteers though. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. We had great volunteer culture at the time and, and we had, volunteers you know you, you could roll out of a firehouse with 10 guys on a rig you know um and so i i just figured i'd end up in a big city somewhere and that would be that but uh everything happens for a reason right so uh i ended up just being a junior member going through high school having a lot of fun and um getting more serious about it graduate high school and start going to mercer county community college and and started you know, a lot of guys talk about that they've got a tribe, right? Or they've got this group that it's their solid core friends. You know, Eric Allen from Fast Rescue Solutions talks about about the importance of your tribe. And I and I think that, you know, I've, I've listened to that and I, and I believe in it very wholeheartedly. And I was fortunate, you know, I didn't know it at the time. But the, the bonds that I was making as a teenager going to Mercer County Community College at the time, right? I ended up going to school with guys who are today legends in the New Jersey fire service, in, in my opinion, and who are just, we all met, we were all that same age group. And I mean, I, I'm sure you know some of these names, Lenny Carmichael, right? Lenny's a retired uh, director of Trenton Fire Department, teaches at the NFA, teaches all over the, all over the country. Just an absolute, you know, prince of a guy, great friend. We ended up playing softball together for years. Lenny's writing a book right now for fire engineering that's coming out soon, you know? We were going to we were going to Mercer County College together, you know. All these guys from Hamilton, that they were volleys in Hamilton, and none of us knew we would be paid men in Hamilton. We didn't know anything about it, but tons of guys that I ended up working with, we all met there. Bunch of guys from Burlington County, from the riverfront, right? Guys from Delran area and down that way, and and uh, Burlington Township, Burlington City, Florence, all that, Bordentown. We all became friends. And the next thing you know, a few years later, we're all working together in Hamilton or Trenton or, or wherever. And to this day, you know, I'm, I'm 54 years old, right? I've been doing this since I was a 14-year-old kid. And honestly, to this day, guys that, that, that I met back then are still very near and dear to me. And, and we still talk. Yeah. We still chat on Absolutely. text groups. To, you know, social media keeps us close together. We keep up on each other's kids, all that good stuff. And we've been together ever since. You know, we've been through marriages, divorces, you know, kids' births. Hell, some of them are grandfathers now, you know, all that good stuff. So it's um, it all started as kids in the fire service and it and it and it perpetuates, you know, it keeps going. It's a it's a true blessing. It really is. But uh, oh, absolutely. You know. I, I, my, I got my fire one. I was still in high school. I wasn't, I, I hadn't graduated high school yet when I got fire one. Um, I started, I think, I think they let you start when you were 17. But um, I know when I went, I didn't even have a driver's license because uh, I went to Burlington County and I can tell you it was a 52 hour firefighter one class. 
I saw that certificate. And I was going through some of my stuff. I think now it's 50, 52 days. Yeah, 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 yeah. 52 weeks at this rate. But yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a buddy of mine who was a volunteer up in Jacobstown actually drove me to school until I got my license. And then I would go, you know, then, then we would carpool. But um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, that I, I had my fire one before I graduated high school. And um, when I turned 18, I joined New Egypt because New Egypt didn't have a junior program. And I lived in New Egypt. I grew up in New Egypt. My family's been in New Egypt since 1937. Uh, my mom lives on the same farm that farm property that my dad's family bought back then. Um, my mom operates New Egypt flea market. So now that I'm retired, I go out there more and help her out. But uh, New Egypt was my base. And um, I was very, very fortunate. I joined there. They were a hell of a good fire company. Very highly respected in our area. Yeah, everybody, called, everybody called them. They were on everybody's grids. You know, they were going everywhere. And they were just a solid bunch of guys who they cared. They cared about their community. They cared about each other. Yeah, like every other fire company, they had their problems. They had their, you know, bitching and complaining sessions. But, of course, you, you know, when the bell rang, they answered it. And uh, like I said, a lot of a lot of guys who I grew up with, their dads were the ones who who I looked up to. And they were chiefs yeah. there and, you know, long, long serving members. And uh, so it, I, I was fortunate, you know, I went in there at 18 and uh, not long into it. They ended up making me an officer because they were kind of. It was a weird time there because you had lots of young guys coming in, guys my age, there were probably five or six of us coming in, and you had a much older group, and you didn't have any a whole lot in between. In between, and and we didn't have that much, and um, and I was cocky and a go getter and a hard charger and and way way unprepared for what I was getting myself into, but I ended up uh, I ended up a young officer. Um, I did pretty well and ended up becoming a very young fire chief there, which which I really don't recommend for anybody um, because I was completely ill prepared um, yeah. that. But I, I will say this. I was surrounded by very, very good people who I think even the ones who didn't like me as a young, young chief and a young officer or, you know, cocky jerk, whatever it was, um, I, I think that. They still wanted me to succeed for the good of the organization. Whether they liked me or not didn't matter. They wanted the organization to, to continue to be highly I think highly that's something a lot of organizations have lost now, the good they of have. the organization. They're, it's, they it's too much about personality, and too many people lose the – like, oh, you think about it. Oh, we, go into, we charge into vacants and do searches for them, for them. Well, what about everything else? Like the – uh, the whole organization has to succeed for them. Uh, yeah, I agree. Listen, I'm I'm all about going in and doing doing searches in every building I got to do because I, I do absolutely. Agree with you. I agree with the it's not vacant until we say it's vacant. But I, I agree with you. The the it for us to be good on the street, we need to be good to each other inside. And and you know there there's lots of guys who are happy to get on social media and shred each other and you know all the bullshit that goes on now that we didn't, we didn't experience years past. Uh, I'm sure it went on. We just didn't see it, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, if, if you're not taking care of one another, if you're not preserving things for each other, you're not really going to be very productive out there on the street for the folks you're supposed to be serving. 
And uh, oh, absolutely. it's got to be the big picture. If you're not thinking big picture and, and you're myopic and you're it's all about you or it's all about just you and a few guys or or it's all about your agenda. You've already lost. Right. You've already lost. You're not going to be good. You're not going to be a good department down the road. You're going to all the kind of stuff is just going to unravel. And yeah. it does. And it, and I'm seeing it all over the place. I'm, I'm very fortunate to get to travel around, do a lot of things. I mean, you know, in the last, just this week, I was in uh, five firehouses and today's only Thursday. Right. So I was going to say, I saw all your traveling on social media. I'm yeah, like, yeah, is, is he still available on Thursday? Yeah, it's a little it's a little much. I know. I know. So. <laughs> But uh, but yeah. So oh, like that's said, awesome. That's great. Yeah, I mean, going to thirty nine was a great thing for me, man. I, I and I, you know, maybe I'm old, I, you know, and and it's it's a different world. But I did get to ride the tailboard, right? I did get to ride in open cab rigs. As a junior member, it was so stupid. Now, when you look back on it, what the hell these guys? <laughs> what they were thinking is beyond me. But we weren't. If the seats were all taken, if all the jump seats were taken in Juliestown at the time, right? You rode the hose bed. You're still to go to the call, but literally you got up and you climbed up into the hose bed. And I couldn't tell you how many nights I went to work in jobs where I was, I was, in the, I was sitting in the hose bed with like one other guy. This guy, Keith Okerson was a volunteer. Same thing. We were same age, played ball together. And uh, me and Keithy, we, we climb up into the hose bed and we're holding on to the rails like this. And the truck's going 60 miles an hour down the road and it's raining or snowing and it didn't matter. Like I know Were it sounds like them the hip boots and coats off the side of the drake. That's exactly what we did. I, I hate to admit it, right? <laughs> we did. We didn't nobody had their own personal gear. You got your gear, it was clipped and, and draped in yep. the rails on the rig. And that's yeah. that's what it was. I remember that here in Freehold when I was growing up. So I, I am that old that I did that. But uh, you know, <laughs> I got to go to I got to go to a lot of fires. It was cool and and at that age, you know. The, the first job that I ever stretched into, I was definitely way underage and hip boots, <laughs> hip boots long coat, you know, and, and a pair of fireball gloves in the pocket. And uh, my sister had the nozzle and I'll, I'll never forget it. Like she was making the stretch and um, and they're like, well, help, help get line going, man. Come on, let's go. And I'm like, I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I didn't even I had no training other than drills there, you know, and uh but that was my first ever job. And it's funny because now I live near where that was and I drive past that building all the time. So it's kind of brings back. <laughs> hey, it's still standing. <laughs> it is. It is. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, so it was a different time, you know, but uh, we've come a long way and, and things are things are good. And and I've been very like I said, it's been a blessed career. Right. I, I got to start out in this little podunk town with no stoplights. Right. And I ended up moving through New Egypt. We did very good. We did a lot of good things in New Egypt. And and there's still some good things going on there, although I think they're sort of in a rebuild phase. Um, but that's that's everybody goes through their ups and downs. And I guess maybe they're in the middle. Uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, I did my time there. I, I was there for uh, a long time and I was fortunate in, in 1990. I was going to college and uh we're walking back. I'll never forget it. We're walking back from from class and we're walking to uh, our cars. And one of the guys who was a volunteer at the Groveville Volunteer Fire Company, which was Hamilton District 9, back before the consolidation. And he was talking about how they were getting ready to hire, which was the dumbest thing of this guy to say they were getting ready to hire. Because here's like 10 of us who are all <laughs> young, cocky and want to get on a job somewhere. 
And we're all <laughs> overhearing him talk all this crap about he's getting on a job. He's getting hired. And the application process opens tomorrow. Every one of us there, we all went and we got applications and put them in. We all tested. Was he the only guy that didn't get hired? He ended up getting it later, but he didn't get it in the beginning. We all beat him out. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, yeah. So myself and and uh, uh, you may know Chief Anizeski, Mark Anizeski. He retired as chief in Hamilton. And uh, now, he's actually, now he's working over in Middletown, Pennsylvania as chief over there. But uh, okay. Mark, Mark was in that group. There was a gang of us. And uh, yeah, we all got and we and we all ended up on the job. And uh, oh. I was I was fortunate because. I had gotten, I was starting to apply all over the place, you know, because I, I knew I, I didn't want to work in my parents' flea market the rest of my life. Nothing yeah. against it, but I wanted to be on the job. It wasn't for you. I wanted it, to be it a fireman. You know what? I wanted to be a fireman, and I knew that that business probably couldn't support two families, you know, because it barely supported yeah. our family. So I didn't think that it was going to be a good fit for me with the aspirations I had, you know, and, yeah. and I was young. I wanted to go to fires, right? And now I'm old and I still, I want to go to fires. If I go to fire every single day, I'd be happy. Right. It's just, it's, it's what it is. I think we all would. Not everybody, but the ones that matter would. <laughs> I, I think the people watching this podcast, taking yeah, the time yeah, out of the schedule yeah. to watch this podcast. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The people I care about definitely do, you know? Yeah. But, um, so yeah, so, so that's what happened. And, um, I had applied for all these jobs and I was actually, uh, I got a call from Lakehurst, Navy Lakehurst to take okay. a fed, federal job. And, and I, they called me on like a Monday or Tuesday and I said, yes, okay. You, they called me, I'm taking a job. I, I got offered a fire department job. And, uh, my ex-brother-in-law, his brother was a captain at Fort Dix. You know, I knew all those guys. So it was cool. I was, I'm like, all right, I'm all set. The guys, there were guys from Cookstown volunteer fire company, uh, the Trambula brothers, Jerry and Tommy. Tommy okay. was at Fort, Tommy was at Fort Dix. Jerry was at McGuire. They're like, it's a good gig, Aaron. Take it, okay. And uh, like the next day or two days later, Hamilton District Nine calls me, and the commissioner says, "Hey, you want this job?" And I'm like, "Oh, now I got to make a decision." And you know what I asked him? I says, "All right, what's it pay? What's the schedule?" And at the time, <laughs> Lakehurst, Lakehurst was paying fifteen thousand dollars or something like that a year. And it was the twenty four every other day of your life. Every other day, twenty four on twenty four off, right? Hamilton paid twenty three thousand one hundred dollars, and it was Philly schedule. It was two tens, two fourteens, and you're off for four days. I said to my dad, I said, "What's what's a more? I know what I want for money and schedule. It makes sense, but am I being smart here?" And he immediately take the job in Hamilton. Don't go work for the feds. Take the job in Hamilton. <laughs> and and so I did. And the only other thing, the only thing I really regret about that was. I had talked to a Navy recruiter and I was really thinking about going in the Navy because my dad was in the Navy. My uncle was. And I thought, you know, what? I get some good education. I could see the world. You know, back then it wasn't like today. We weren't. If we were at war, a dumb 18 year old like me didn't know about it. Right. Because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't what we've been living from the past 25 years of. So yeah. I, I regret that I never at least went in the reserves. I, I think that it would have been a, a smart move and I should have served my country a little bit. You know, I, I think that I served it as a fireman and I'm proud of that, but I would have liked to have done a little more. And uh, so now I'm, I'm a big supporter of it. And I live, I live right here in Wrightstown. So I, uh, I literally can see the runways basically from, from the back of my house from McGuire. Yeah. So joint base. So it's pretty cool. You feel but, the, uh, uh, you feel the engines kick up. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. Listen, <laughs> the black cloth. We're we're it's funny when I lived in New Egypt, we were really right in the flight path, right? So you're watching yeah. start lifters and 141s, everything going right over the house. Now where I live, I live way closer to the base, but the only thing that really comes straight over the house for the most part are the Blackhawks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's it's what it is. Good life. That's the sound of freedom. That's what they tell us. So, yeah. But um, yeah, so, you know, it's been a storied so, career, right? Absolutely. So were you in the first group that was hired in, in uh, Groveville? No, they started with paid drivers in the 60s. Oh, really? I didn't know they went back that far. Yeah, most of Hamilton had at least paid drivers. They didn't they didn't call them paid firemen. Some some of the places called them housemen. And really, they were janitors with a badge. And when the tones dropped, they would do something. Uh, But but yeah, there were some great old firemen, too, that were there. Uh, For me, um, I was badge number eight. So I was the eighth guy ever hired in in Groveville in District. Okay. And, um, it was, it was great. It really was. It was a great place to learn. It wasn't the ghetto at the time. It was, it was a lot of farm, a lot of country when I was a kid coming on, but we were experiencing this huge building boom and they, oh, just yeah, that, yeah. the time you were out there from the time you started in, in 90, you said yeah. to now that oh, community, yeah. that area yeah. of Hamilton alone is completely oh, yeah. different. It is. It is. And, and and the whole time I was there, I was too hatting, which I know union guys will tell me to go screw, but I was too hatting the whole time. And, and you know what? Without it, I wouldn't have half the career I had as a career guy or as a volley. I wouldn't have had it because all of Hamilton, none of us were seeing the amount of fire that, that they're seeing today. Not when we were kids. They're Right now, they are working. They are getting a lot of fires, yeah. which is awesome for them. You know, we can't we can't say that to the public, but it's great for the firemen. And uh, so for me, I took in every run I could possibly get as a volunteer and as a career guy. And it made me a, a way better fireman than I ever would have been. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a great place to start a career. I learned from a guy. His name was Mark Voorhees. He was my first partner. because they had, they had four guys, one per platoon. We had a four platoon system already there. They assigned each of us to one of them. And... Um, it was cool because he was an old timer. Well, to me, he was an old timer, right? I was I was 20 years old. He was probably he was probably like 40. <laughs> and to me, that was an old guy, you know. Now I'm 54. I'm like, holy shit, he was young. But uh, <laughs> but but he brought me in the right way. And you know, like we, you and I were talking about this, um, you know, pre-show. Mm-hmm. When when you meet the right people, young in your career. Right. They lead you down that right path. It's up to you as an individual. Am I going to take that path or am I going to do my own thing? Or am I going to think I'm better than that? Or am I going to be some cocky asshole? Whatever it may be. We're all going to take our we're all going to take our path. Right. Yep. I was very blessed. And And throughout my life and throughout my career, I've been very blessed, even at the flea market working for my dad as a as a 10 year old kid. I met people from all walks of life. Right. And I could take a look at them and go, I like this guy. I like what he's saying. I like how he carries himself. I like what he brings to the table. Wow, that guy's yeah. super smart, you know. Or or I look at that guy and I know he's a thief. I know he's not a good person. I know he's a liar. I know I don't want to be that guy, right? So you're always yeah. making choices. And, and don't get me wrong. Throughout my life, I've made wrong choices. 
plenty of. Oh, of course. Right? That's, that's no matter which road you go down, there's bumps. Part and, that, and that's where we learn. Absolutely. But uh, but I was blessed. I worked with Mark Voorhees, and Mark broke me in, man. He taught me how important it was to maintain that rig. He taught me everything about those rigs, right? We had a 1989 um, uh, PEMFAB 3D engine. Okay. It was the, if I'm not mistaken, it was a 1,500-gallon-a-minute single uh, two-stage pump, and it had uh, 1,250 water plus 50 gallons of foam. So okay. something in that area. And it was a beautiful brand-new rig, you know, first brand-new rig I'd ever been on in my career. And we had a 74 Hon, right? When, when I took my test there, we all had to do a driving test with that Hon. Now, that Hon was, uh, was uh, uh, I guess it was a, a straight six Detroit in there with a, you know, manual transmission. And you had to be able to drive it and pump it. I was fortunate. Even at 20, I could drive a truck like nobody's business. My dad had taught me how before I got on the job, I was hauling scrap metal into Newark and Elizabeth and Camden and into Brooklyn and Philly. So I knew how to drive. I had it way over all the other guys that applied for that job yeah. because I had already learned I was working in the junk business, driving these old beaters. And yeah. because of that, the new Egypt guys let me drive because they knew I was driving this other stuff. So they needed, Oh, even though I was super already young, pumping. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though I was super young and really inexperienced, it all, it all just kept building, you know, yeah. it all kept building and, and Marky broke me in the right way. And, and, uh, the guys I worked with there that came on a job with me, just good dudes, man. And, and, uh, we're all retired. I was the last of them to, to stick it out. Uh, we're all retired yeah. from there now. But uh, it just, it's, again, it's that journey, right? The fire service is like no other journey in the world. Right? Cops yeah. don't have what we have. Nobody has what we have. Yeah. And I was just so blessed to, to take that journey the way I did. Um, I worked, I, I was a, it took me 10 years. Uh, I was a firefighter. I was a chauffeur, you know. Um, and then in, in uh, I guess it was around 2000, they decided they were going to expand the department and they needed to, to promote and do everything they were going to do. And uh, each district in Hamilton was just doing their own thing. None of us were together. We just went to fires together. We didn't even have standard SOPs. You had a, a 44 square mile town. Right now, I think the population officially is like 92,000. Um, you know, unofficially, it's probably 125, 130,000. We won't talk politics, but, uh, <laughs> but, but in, in reality, you know, we were just all doing our thing as, as small fire districts and companies. And, um, I met a lot of great guys there, but nine was a great place to work because they had commissioners who were so progressive, way ahead of it, way ahead of the curve. Right. Yeah. They believed in education. Yeah. They believed in EMS. Right. I, I would never have gotten my EMT right away. Cause I, you know, I, I you know, like all young guys, I want to fight fire. I don't want to do Band-Aid work. Well, the bosses there said, you're going to become EMTs. We're going to pay you more money. We all went, oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to be okay. EMTs. They're going to pay <laughs> us right. more money. So we did it. And and they did. They came through for us in the end. But I'll never forget sitting in a union meeting and because uh, all of Hamilton was in one union, even though we were all different districts, yeah. which ended up leading to the consolidation 30 years later. You know, and when I got hired, when I got hired, they were like, you know, at some point we're all going to consolidate. Yeah. I was old and gray when we consolidated, you know, 30 years before they consolidated. Basically. I was going to say, I've been hearing that since I was, uh, since before I started taking tests. Oh yeah. 
yeah. Hamilton Township was going to be in one department. Yeah, yeah. And, and we got there. We got there. It took a little lumps. And we'll get still to that later in the timeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still taking their lumps. <laughs> but uh, but, but it, was, it was great because these guys, again, and again, for the younger guys that might be watching this or might watch this some other time, they thought ahead. They, they were big picture guys. They weren't just, yeah. all right, we're going to be knee jerk and deal with what's going on this minute. They were looking ahead. They built this massive firehouse, right, that they barely could fill. But they knew they were going to need more paid people down the road. They knew they were going to yeah. need more rigs. So they they built it. They had the money. They figured out a way to do it. They did it. Um, educationally, they always had a huge training budget compared to everybody else. They sent us everywhere, right? I started going. I started going FDIC in 1997. Right? They New Egypt sent me, but Hamilton gave me my time off because they saw the value in the in the training. Yeah, that's they sent me all over the country. Huge. They they did, and I was again. I, I can't I can't say it enough. You're blessed when people are putting faith in you. They're willing to send me to FDIC. They sent me to Illinois Fire Service Institute. They sent me, you know all over the country firehouse back in baltimore when it was there you know if there was a class we could put in and get it right back when when um, that's that's huge oh yeah yeah when when you know when state justice was doing the uh the arson courses right the two-week arson mm -hmm. course or whatever it was back back way before iai and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah they were sending our fire marshals to that like they just that's, yeah and they were paying incredible. for it at, at 20 years old, they were paying for my college. Wow. That, so, see, that's, that's another thing that's huge. Like, yeah. I, it, I probably that, wouldn't have. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have gotten to date you, but that's that long ago that they were thinking yeah. for, you know, secondary education. That's that's awesome. It was big picture. There's man. departments now that are fighting for that. Yeah. Well, and we lost it in consolidation. It went away. But it was yeah. something that we had, we had that at 19. I got my I got my bachelor's. I should have gotten a master's out of it, right? Although I believe in paper that it's it's nice to get paper, right? But I don't believe in paper because paper don't put out fires. I still believe that you can have every letter after the end of your name, and you can be a really 100%. shitty you can be a really shitty fireman. So oh, absolutely. You know, there there's an old story about you know what. what training versus education, you know, and a buddy of mine, Carl Haddon was teaching a class in, in Louisiana. We're at the state fireman's convention and he worked, he's talking about new vehicle technology and extrication and all this. And he taught, he says, you know what the difference between training and education is? And uh, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I don't know what the difference is. I guess. What is it? And he comes back and he says, how many of you in, the, in this room have daughters? And a bunch of people raised their hands and he goes, <laughs> Would you rather have her educated or trained in sex ed? I went, wow, shit, that's a good question. <laughs> that pretty well clears up that, you know? And so bottom line, bottom line, when it comes to firefighting, paper's great. It, it helps you. Don't get me wrong. But it's a building block. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's it's a, think about firefighter one. Like, well, like we said, yeah. you went through 52 hours. The guys now are going through what 200, 190, and, and, something like that nowadays. It's just still, a building block. Well, and there's how still, much they're still it, coming it, out of it with yeah. less than the, the, with less fire training than you got in 52 far, hours. 
far less. Honestly, far less. And I and, mean, I, and I don't. I'm not here to debate what academy does a good job, what academy doesn't do a good job, and and does the state of New Jersey screw us and this then. And I'm not here to debate the the NFPA standards, <laughs> um, although I have very strong opinions on all of it. Um, Absolutely. And and I'll and I'll and I'll say them. I don't hide my opinions. I think that that we're cheating them. We are cheating them badly. Um, you know, for all the mandatory bullshit that we're requiring, but we're not requiring real burns, real burns, right? I was involved 100%. in it. In a, I was involved in a training program in South Carolina um, last month, right? It's okay. a, a memorial training program. We do it every year in, in honor of, of a good friend of mine that passed away, a guy named E.J. Mascaro, um, just an absolute hero. But uh, so we do this training in, in E.J.'s honor, and it's in Somerville, South Carolina. The training chief in Somerville, South Carolina is a guy I know very well. Uh, he's dialed in. He's a Georgia smoke diver. He's You name it, this guy – He's a physical specimen, right? He can get it done. He's a good okay. dude and, he, and a very educated dude. And when it comes to his training programs, he watches 1403. He, he abides by it. Yeah. But is he going to push the envelope? Absolutely. And are his firemen going to be better for it? Absolutely. Right? These guys now, are going to be ready. They are going to be ready. And they're, I mean, no flammable liquids, no, no, you know, products of, of uh that you shouldn't have in there no no foam cushions no none of that bullshit but he had somebody call him and say hey my chief won't let me come to this training because of the way you guys are going to do the burns it's it's going to be dangerous and so the chief ended up calling him and talked to the other chief and the other yeah. chief made, made it very clear i wrote 1403 and i was this and i was that and you can't do what you do and and this guy is a very prominent figure in the American Fire Service today. I don't I don't believe in a goddamn thing he says, and I don't believe that he's ever crawled a hot hallway. But he's going to dictate training to today's generation of firefighters. I got a serious problem with that. Yep. I got a serious problem with that because you know yep. what? My son is this this generation of today's firefighters. He needs yep. that training, right? You know, the kids that I'm, I'm riding as a volley back in New Egypt. Since I retired, I went back and I'm riding, right? Not not as much as I should be, but as Still much as my cal- as much as this ridiculous calendar of mine allows me to. <laughs> but you know what? I'm riding next to kids that are coming out of Firefighter One that don't know their ass from an apple cart, right? And it's not their fault. It's our fault because we've let this happen. Yep. You know, 100%. They, it's, it's it's filtered into this. And these guys who haven't crawled hallways, you know, guys who who haven't done what they're supposed to have done are dictating things that are going to affect the fire service down the road. And that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. We need need a combination. Don't get me wrong. We 1403. Is it an important regulation or standard? It absolutely is. Do I believe by walking? By staying away from the NFPA committees because abolish the NFPA, we let the lawyers write it. We let the yeah. lawyers write the class and, yeah. and write the standard that we have to live by. It's a problem. And it's horrible. It's it's a problem. And and we could have we could have a whole discussion on the NFPA stuff and on social media stuff that's going on right oh, now. Oh, absolutely. And right. And and, but we, and only, we started at seven thirty at night. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> We, we could be here until midnight just talking about that. So I'll, I'll give you this. I'll give you my NFPA since you, we brought it up. I'll give you my theory. Shoot it. Or my, my opinion. 
I believe it's a necessary evil. I believe Absolutely. that I do believe that there's a lot in most of the standards, not all, in most of the standards that will keep us alive. That does, even if we follow it, we can still protect our, our citizenry properly. We can take care of our guys properly. And I think we, we can work within the standard and do a good job. Absolutely. That you have to that, read the intent. Well, that being said, we got a lot of firehouse lawyers and shithouse lawyers that aren't very good. So that's part of it. The other problem is we don't have fire enough firemen on the committees. That that's what we we know that. And getting on the committees isn't as difficult as it seems, but it is a cumbersome process. And and guys don't understand it. And a lot of guys have never it's never been explained to them. So that becomes an issue. And here is the other here is the other problem. And I saw this directly. And I, and I'm not even going to mention the committees that I've seen it in, but there are committees I've personally witnessed it in. Where my guess is the guys got on a committee with the right intent. I'm a fireman. I want to make it better for the fire service. You know, the, the manufacturers and the lawyers and all these other people are all bullshit. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get down to the brass tacks, right? Mm -hmm. And over time, either greed takes over or ego starts eating brains or whatever the case it may be. And I know of several of these guys who are now on the payrolls of manufacturers making big goddamn money and they are not going to protect the, the best interest of the firefighters because they are getting paid. And so those guys who bitch that the DRD is still in the NFPA requirement for turnout gear. Right. And I agree. doesn't need to be there. Stupid. Right. One I, from last I read, there was one documented rescue with a DRD. Right. And in most cases, my SCBA covers my DRD. So, but it's just one little, I know I'm going down a rabbit hole. And no, 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 please. Way on a soapbox, right? But bottom line is, I'm listening to people talk about things, and then I'm realizing, oh, your attitude changed when you got on that committee because now you're getting paid, bro. You're working Chief, for Can you see the guys. comments? What's that? Can you see the comments on the side? No. Oh, Do no. Do you see no, comments? No. Uh, let me There's one on comment that. that says NFPA. Somebody just said NFPA is there because someone did something stupid. But some regulations are obscene and the manufacturers have too much influence. I, I'll agree with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I wasn't. I didn't even have the comments up, but I see that now. And yeah. Yeah. That's. Um, listen, it is what it is. And we do need to take it back. I'm not about abolishing the NFPA. I know it's a cool sticker. Guys are buying it. And, and I laughed at it when I first saw it. I was like, I don't, you know. How many times have you heard what's NFPA stand for? No F in practical application, right? Yeah. I, I'm sure I've said it more than once. And there are certain <laughs> there are certain parts of it that I still feel very strongly about that. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. But, but I I I yeah, I just don't think you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um yep. because we need we, we can't have anarchy. And listen, I agree there's there's a million different ways to do what we do. Um but I think we do need some regulation and some oversight. I just, Absolutely. I just think the system has been bastardized, and I don't know if we can pull it back the way we should. And that, well, that's a problem. That is a problem. You, you, you think about the, the good that we can get from NFPA. NFPA 1500. We can use right. NFPA 1500 to force our employers to pay for our physicals every year, to pay for our oh, respiratory protection. Well, and, well and we so can try. Well, we can try. We can try. It gives we can us document. Some, 
Yeah. It gives us something in black and white that we can use to leverage. Oh, hey, there's a standard that says when I have to replace my like, look, I got holes in my turnout here. Eh, it's fine. No, 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 no. According to this piece of paper, it's it's right. got to be. Yeah. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's absolutely things that I feel is good and there's bad in everything. It's it's the world we live in. And but the problem is you get you get, you know, you do you get some administrative douche who, you know, all he wants to do is cite the NFPA standard because it, it fits his narrative yep. and he doesn't let firemen be firemen. Well, now we, I got a yep. problem with that. Right. I got a problem with that. Yeah. But do I want do I want a gear standard that says, hey, we have to clean our gear. Hey, we you know, we have to follow 1851 on that. Do I want a, a standard for apparatus to a degree? Yeah, it, it all plays in. And then and then the things that that go back to life safety code stuff, you know, sprinkler stuff and everything else that goes Absolutely. with that. I think they hold a very special place. I don't want the NFPA telling me how to stretch a line. I don't want them telling me how many lines I should have in a building. You know 100%. what? Bill Carey says it best, right? From, you know, from years ago, Bill's been saying this. All firefighting is local, right? So you can't give me a national standard and tell me that's what I have to follow. It's bullshit. Because what exactly. I did, what I did in the Bromley section of Hamilton, right, or what I did in the South, uh, you know, Dutesville or Broad Street Park section of Hamilton, doesn't necessarily apply on Long Swamp Road in New Egypt, right? It may not apply to. And that's what, not even twenty miles away. Exactly, and it doesn't apply to what goes on in Manhattan or what goes on in, you know, buddy of mine's Los a chief. Yeah, buddy of mine's a chief in Yuba City, California. They, they were running short crews for years, going to lots of fires. They have to do what they got to do. Yeah. You know? it, it's so. I know we're way off topic, but it's. It no, all, it's I. Fire is the topic. <laughs> That's good. So, I like but that. let's get back to your uh, your career. And so and the, yeah. the honestly, let's let's get into your part in, you know. The expansion of District Nine, Groveville, and and the expansion of of uh, Hamilton Township Fire Department. Now, I mean, sure, sure. It, so, you guys, you went from four guys in Groveville to retiring from one of the one of the larger fire township fire departments in the state of New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, when I started in, in Hamilton, we were, I think, the union local eighty four FMBA local eighty four was founded. Uh, right before I came in, it had been founded a couple of years before me. Um, and I think that uh, we probably had maybe in like the f- low 40s, average, uh, you know, total personnel in the township between all nine districts. Um, when I retired, we re- I retired, there were 135 uniform personnel on the job. Um, so, but Groveville, especially what we did, we went to three man crews. We started with the two. When we got hired, then they bumped up to three. Uh, a bunch of us got promoted around 2000. I got promoted to captain myself, uh, a guy named Ronnie Merzda, who's now retired. Really, really great dude. Um, another guy, uh, uh, Jim Humphrey, he's since retired, but started as a volunteer in, in Hamilton. And we all got promoted. And, and uh, Mike Woodward, another guy who was from Florence originally, uh, another Jersey kid, you know, he, he's retired now, but uh, really good guy. Um, we all got promoted. We made captain and we started learning how to be bosses. And, and I, again, what did they do? Right. We had, we had a chairman of the board of fire commissioners. His name was Tom Flanagan. We didn't always agree. 
right? Tom and I went at it pretty good at times. I had to, when the consolidation happened, I was chief of district nine. So I had to yeah. review everybody's personnel files and decide okay. what was getting sent on to the township and what wasn't. So basically I, I pretty much shredded everything because I didn't want the guys to have a, a, a blemish when they started, right? And when I looked at my own, I just went, holy shit. I didn't know how to keep my mouth shut. I got in a lot of trouble when I was a kid. <laughs> but, and, and Tom's name was signed on the bottom of pretty much every one of my disciplinary things. So I, I, I could never say do as I say, not as I do, because I did some stupid shit. But uh, and I'm not proud of it. like some guys brag about it. You know, I'm proud of the shit I did. Eh, some of it I'm not too proud of. Some of it uh, discretion would have been a way better call than that. But, you know, you live, you live to learn. Right. And. Uh, but, but they, what's that? Oh, okay. Background noise. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so the other thing with that was um, they saw the need, right? So we expanded to the three guys on a company because they saw this was coming and they trained us. We become captains. What's he do? He brings in Ed Kensler, who's a, a National Fire Academy instructor. Used to, he was a, uh, a chief in Florence, but before that he had worked at, uh, Bordentown Township, they bring Eddie in to do um, leadership like one, two, and three from the NFA and made us all take it, put us on days, and we all took that class with him. And some of the other districts jumped in, Mercerville District 2 jumped in, some of the others, and um, we all took it. And, you know, again, we didn't have the ability to do our own academy at the time or have our own kind of mentor program at the time. But that's really what Tom was forcing us into without us even understanding it. And we learned a lot and it made us better at what we do. You know, that's it's another pet peeve of mine in New Jersey with civil service. And I had this conversation. I was in East Orange today and I was talking to guys up there and uh, we're just bullshitting around in the firehouse. And we all agree. Civil services. It may not be the best system, but it's our system. Right. So we're living by it. A lot of times the civil service system protects shit bags and doesn't reward good people. It's just how it works, right? Does it provide all of us a little bit of protection? Yes. But the guys who do well and, and, and are doing the right thing rarely need that same protection. It's nice to be there though. Don't get me wrong. It's better than places that don't have anything. But once I take that test to be a first level supervisor in the state of New Jersey, and I only need three years on a job to take that test, right? I don't have to have a lot of qualifications. I don't have to have any leadership, any officer training. And what do they do? And unless you, they send you to an officer training program or your department's big enough to have their own, they, you know, they bless you. And here's your company, bro. Go to work, figure it out. You know, and when I got on as an officer, I, God, I hate to say that, that it's true, but the internet was kind of a newer thing, right? We didn't have social media. I couldn't go on and listen to a podcast from John Salka or from Vinny Dunn or from John Mittendorf from L.A. Or, or these guys. I couldn't do that. I had to read articles in Fire Engineering or Firehouse Magazine, right? Breakout Fire Chief Magazine, that kind of thing. So what? how did we become the officers we were? A lot of trial and error. A lot of trial and error. A lot of me personally, a lot of learning from the senior man, right? Amen. Absolutely. And I'll tell you today, the senior man to me is probably the most valuable person in any firehouse. I want the young guy's energy, right? 
I want the the officer's ability to to put things in motion, right? But I want that senior man's guidance. I want a good senior man's leadership. And he may not be the 30-year guy on the job. He may be the 22-year guy on the job, and the 30-year guy on the job is sleeping in a chair all day. It may be that. But I want that senior guy, whatever he is, who's got great influence and is going to help me lead my company and lead the department. And again, when I became a captain, I'm very, very blessed, right? Every guy that worked for me, I, I really never had a, a, a true shit bag. I, I know guys who've had them. I was, I was very fortunate in, in 19 and, and, you know, in Hamilton, I didn't have that problem. They were good people. They wanted to work. They, did we have our lazy days? Yeah. There were some guys that you had to kick in the ass, but even those guys, I could go to them and say, Hey, I need you to step up today. I need this done. I need, to, you know, boom, they got it. Some of them were volley chiefs, other places, right? I, I worked with a guy who was a grouch. He was always grouchy, but he was the biggest practical joker, right? And when you had a fire and you needed a guy to get water from a stone, he was my guy, right? I, I had full trust in him. These are the things we need in firehouses, right? We need this. And, and you can't teach that in a classroom. You can't teach that in the NFBA books. You got to live it. You know, you just got to live it. But yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. You know, so 19 was, it was a great place to grow up. It was a great place to be a boss. They, they bumped up. We ended up with four on a rig. And uh, literally as a captain, I was like, shit, what do I do now? Like the first time I remember going to a wreck out on 195 and for years with three on a rig, I had either a rescue tool in my hand or I was helping crib. I'd get a quick 360. I was a working officer. I wasn't probably doing as good a job as an officer because, you know, your, your hands are getting dirty. You got to be in it. We get this rack on, on 195. I go around to the rear compartment, swing it open, go to grab a set of cutters or jaws or something. And the probie goes, uh, Cap, I think that's my job now. <laughs> and I looked at him. I was like, yeah, you're right, bro. Yeah, that you're, is your you're, job. You're right. That is your job now. <laughs> God damn it. It's not my job anymore. But, uh, <laughs> again, it, it was a great learning process for me. And I did 20 years as a captain there. And, um, and we were busy. You know, we weren't as busy as certain companies. And we, didn't, we weren't the fire factory. Listen, nobody can bullshit you. It's so funny. You go to these places and guys will tell you that they went to all these fires and my my department like right now i think hamilton probably did they did a lot of fires last year right they did uh i don't know with mutual aid and all i bet you they did 100 100 and a half somewhere in there they and those were good fires not just some little trash can in the corner with it you hit it with a can and it was out so whatever they did they did we work a four platoon system right so if I took some vacation, I work some overtime, unless I'm an overtime whore and I'm there every day, which I tried to be at the time. Um, you think about it. How many of those fires did that guy have the potential to go to? In most departments, all right, maybe a, a good department's running 100 working jobs a year, right? So let's think about that. So 100 jobs, and we work a four-platoon system. I caught 25 of them, maybe. How many of them was I first doing? Maybe they were on the other side of town. Maybe they were on my side of town. Maybe we were met in the middle. So all these guys who are big league people and, oh, I come from the city and we do this. And we, you might work the slowest rig possible. I didn't work the busiest rig. I, I was lucky because at 19, again, being proactive, the chief and the commissioner said, hey, this writ thing is a new thing. Nobody in our area, nobody in, in Mercer County knows a goddamn thing about rapid intervention. Back then it was fast because that's what FDNY called it. So we all called it fast, right? 
So our bosses said, I want you guys trained. We're going to get you trained. We're going to be good at this and we're going to be able to save other firemen. Proactive thinking. I wouldn't have thought of that as a kid, but they taught it to me. By the time it was over, myself and Chief Anizeski were on the committee to rewrite the, well, not rewrite, but to write the RIP protocol for New Jersey. But it was because of those guys' forethought that put me in that position. Right? Yeah, absolutely. They sent That's me huge. to. Yeah, they sent me to the Illinois Fire Service Institute to take the Saving Our Own program. Probably one of the best programs to this day in the United States for rapid intervention. And again, I I've heard that a lot of, about their courses, about, about a lot of their courses, that they're very tip of the spear, very top of the game. Oh, uh, yeah, man. Listen, University of Illinois, the IFSI out there, uh, it's on the grounds in Champaign uh, right there at the university. Um, I went out there. I took this saving our own. It was a train to trainer and, and it was it was unbelievable, unbelievable. Right. Lots of hands on lots of fire, lots of really good scenarios. And you're learning from some salty dudes. Right. The commissioner later became commissioner of uh, of Chicago, Bob Hoff. Right. Bob, it, I, I've, I've known Bob over the years. We aren't close friends, but we've been we've been in the same circles for many years. Some of his very good friends are very good friends of mine. Uh, one of his close friends teaches with on scene with me, but I took this class and I was, I was probably in my late twenties, right? So he's maybe in his mid thirties. Tommy Shervino from Oaklawn, Illinois was teaching the class. He was a legend out there, right? A couple FDNY guys, Don Hade. You probably heard Don Hade's name. Don was a Lieutenant back then when I took that class, he retired as a chief in sock. Yeah. Right? A legendary chief in sock. Not just some yeah, guy. He was, he was actually on a uh, a podcast last night. I was, was listening, he? or the other night I was listening to. Yeah, kid, uh, actually one of the guys that's helping me with it, getting this up and running. Uh, okay. Mike in Mike in New Haven. Um, okay. He's got a podcast. He has a lot of FDNY NYPD guys. Oh, there you go. For him. Well, but but so there's there's Donnie Hay. These are the people that I'm learning from. And I'm standing there as a student, right, in my mid mid to late 20s, whatever I was. I don't even know how old I was. And I'm, and I'm looking at these guys and I'm going, this is choreography, man. These guys are dancing. They're on the same sheet of music. I'm watching them throw ladders, go through windows, drag victims. And I'm thinking, how could I ever, ever get to this level? And I don't know if I ever got to that level. I got pretty good, I think. But I don't know that I was ever at that level because the reps and sets that they got every single day in their careers – you know, they were working during the Warriors. They were going to it. But this was the options that were afforded to me, the opportunities afforded to me because of this little fire district in Hamilton, New Jersey. Right. And I got to travel around the country. I went to Jimmy McCormick's place out there, Fire Department Training Network. Right. Took his written survival train, the trainer out there. It was unbelievable. I met friends from all over. I got friends that to this day, we're still very close. We talk, you know, whenever we can pick up the conversation like that. And, uh, you know, guys from all over the country, we were in that class together. And what do we do? And this is the important thing for you guys. Anybody that's listening, you go to these classes, you take a shitload of notes, right? Now I'm getting old, so I can't just do mental notes. I got to write stuff down. My phone is loaded with notes. I got pad. Look, even right here, I got a pad that I'm, I'm writing notes on as we're talking, right? Because I, I don't want to miss stuff. But the bottom line is you take that in. You bring it home. You make the return on investment worthy for your fire department. They invested in me. They put their faith in me to come back there, gain as much knowledge as I can, 
and not hoard it. Bring it home. Bring it and share it with the brothers. Right. Give it to the department because it's just like when I retired. Had I not done all the training I did in Hamilton, what did I do? I would retire and I would take it with me. And I and, and then they lose my institutional knowledge. That's messed up. Right. That's bullshit. My job as a senior guy was to pass on everything I could. Right. My job as a young fireman is to try to give some information that I know in a respectful and dignified way, not being an asshole. And I'm sure when I was young, I was that young asshole. And, and I know there were some older guys that told me, hey, knock it off, kid, you know, but this is what we should do. And and it hasn't changed. You know, the, the job has changed. Yeah, yeah, this has changed. That's changed. All oh, these kids today, these millennials, these this, these that, you know, the Gen Y, Z, whatever. I don't know any of that, but I know this. I know that I still see very, very good, young, hungry firemen. I see it every day, right? I get to travel around the world training firemen now. Right? I was doing it for a long time. Now that I'm retired, I'm doing it full time. And uh, I told you, I was in five firehouses this week. And you know what? One night, uh, I think it was Tuesday night, I guess, right? Today's Thursday, right? Yeah. So Monday night, I'm in Eastern Berks, Pennsylvania. There's 70 guys in a room. 70 guys came there to listen to Matt Peck. Uh, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say names because I don't want to jam anybody up. But listening, to, <laughs> but listening to two fabulous instructors, guys who I believe wholeheartedly in, and I learned listening to their class, right? Um, so listening to this class, there were 70 people in that room, young, old, everybody in between. And they were hanging on what these guys said and they were taking notes and they were doing it right. The next night we're in Mount Penn, Pennsylvania, Mount Penn, 60 some guys in this firehouse from like three or four fire companies to listen to the same two guys instruct. Right. Last night I ended up in Coldale, Pennsylvania. I help out Reading Fire Equipment. He's uh he's a big morning pride dealer. Morning pride does a lot for on scene training. And I, uh, that's a whole nother story, but I believe wholeheartedly I won't wear or endorse or do anything with a product that I wouldn't absolutely put in my fire department today and that I have full faith in. Right. Morning Pride's one of those products. They gave they gave us gear. I was offered gear from many other manufacturers for our instructors. I turned them all down and I said, no, we're this is what we're getting. And they were the other ones were offering me a lot more sets than what Morning Pride gave me originally. But. So I helped Mike with threading fire equipment. We were in Coldale, Pennsylvania last night. He was doing a big delivery and checking everything out. So I went up there and I'd done some training for those guys. What do we do? We sat around a table and me and like three guys just bullshitted fire tactics stuff. I loved it. They were young kids, man. They wanted to learn, right? I don't have all the answers, but I got a lot of friends that are smarter than me. I can call them up or text them and go, hey, what do you think about this? This guy asked me this, you know? This is what the job's supposed to be. And they're hungry. It's today I was in uh, East Orange, right? Same thing. I'm up there with Redding. Me and Mike, the owner there, we're sitting around waiting for some guys to come in, getting sized for their gear. And we're just hanging out, bullshitting with dudes. They built their own hose bed prop. East Orange, you know it, but and any guy, any Jersey guy listening to this should know it. East Orange is a poor city, right? Economically depressed. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, they're, they're, they got it tough, man. And they go to fires. They catch work, right? These are some good dudes. And they 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 love the job, right? Guy made his own own hose bed prop. It's sitting in the engine room. I took a picture. I, I could send it to you. You could always put it up. They don't have a weight room in this firehouse. Not, not even close. The dudes brought in a bench. 
they brought in a, a, a bar and they're they're putting uh rolls of hose on the bar and that's what they're benching no shit right firemen are ingenious man so anybody that tells me that the fire service is dying and that there's no brotherhood and that you know it's this it's that they ain't looking in the right places that's how i look at it maybe dying in some places but they, Amen. Ain't, Amen. They, ain't really, they ain't looking in the right places because we this is still a great fire service and i still believe in it you know to the day i die i'm gonna believe in it you know but uh Anyway, I went way off my career and way back and all over the place. But that's what 19 provided me. And um, I did 20 no, years. Absolutely. See, that's that's what I want to get out there. Like there's there's more than just this brand or that or this department and that. Like, oh, yes. That's what I want out there. I, I like I honestly you're you're the ideal guest for numerous reasons. You had that down home upbringing and in the volunteer service and you like i said you ended your professional career in, in one of the busiest departments yeah it's a good place to be man and, and you're still out there i mean wh what were you in in american samoa for a month doing training Tell me about that. How, how... american american samoa it's a little speck it's a little uh uh i don't know a little island in the middle of the south pacific it's about a Five and a half hour flight from uh, Honolulu, and um, it's a it's a rough, hard place, man. It's a hard place. It's it's beautiful. There's some beautiful views, beautiful sunsets, beautiful sunrises, but they're poor. They're very, you know. I, I don't even know. Maybe some of them don't know they're poor. You know, they don't have the kind of money that we have. They don't they don't waste money. They don't piss it away the way we do here. Uh, they have to be more prejudicious with things. Uh, I was there to work with their our fire department. Um, because what you find in these places, uh, these remote areas, the airport is, is the lifeblood of those areas because nothing comes in or out without the airport. You can, they have a big Harbor. Um, one of the values of American Samoa to, to the United States. And, and I think why, one of the reasons our government, excuse me, dumped so much money into their, for their infrastructure and other things is they have a tremendous Harbor. We can put very, very large warships in that harbor, and Goes we can back to island hopping during World War II. Absolutely, and 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 it, it's a very important place. Uh, and with with today's world, what's going on, I think it's an even more important place. So I've been going there since I think like 2004, maybe 2005. Um, every few years, we go there and we do training with them, and and it's been great. Uh, this was the longest I've ever been there. I spent a month there. We we basically did, we called it a, they said, we want a fire officers kind of boot camp thing. We want to get our officers and our lead firemen, they call them up, get them up to a higher level uh, because they really don't have to follow any standards there. They really don't. The FAA makes them pass their drills and, and so forth, but that's kind of it. Um, so myself and Carl Haddon went over and we put together a program for them because to be good fire officers, they got to be good firemen. And a lot of people in a lot of places, not just there, but on the mainland as well, sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And we think we're pretty damn good, but we got some stuff we need to learn. I, right? I say that all the time. We don't know what we don't, especially in this job, we don't know what we don't know until we find it out. And in this job, it's usually the hard way. Unfortunately, usually, usually costs us a couple, a couple brothers and sisters. Unfortunately, and, and, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So so Carl and I went over and we spent a month with him and we we 
we did fire stuff. You know, we, we really worked hard at making them understand their infrastructure better, understand their equipment, uh, understand how to operate, how to command um, pretty much everything from from commercial fires because they're in charge of the uh, of the airport terminal. And this is a non-sprinklered old building. They're getting ready to build a, a new 50 or $100 million building there, but it ain't there yet. So again, the lifeblood, two commercial flights basically go in and out of there every week at big commercial flights to Honolulu. If something were to go wrong and they, they can't do that, they're shut off. So the fire department has such an important role there. And, the, and again, hungry, man. These guys... They showed up every day. It was in the 90s every day. Humidity in the 80s and 90s. And they worked, right? We were getting there at 7 in the morning. And we were working until usually 2, 30, 3 o'clock every day. And we were doing it five days a week. And, and Carl and I actually rented a house and lived in one of the villages. And uh, we lived with the guys. And uh, it was a tremendous experience. I will say that when the day came that it was time to get on a plane and come home, I wasn't disappointed. Right. I wanted to get home. I wanted to see my wife. I wanted to come back and, you know, be back in the, the luxuries that you missed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they treated us like gold, man. I mean, dinners with their families, parties, you know, taking us to the to the beach with them. You know, you name it. They they did it for us. Um, just I, I can't say enough about them. They're absolute gentlemen. And 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 the ladies were just absolutely sweet to us. Uh, the bosses, they but they but they didn't let us. They weren't going to let us slide. They were going to hold us to a standard which I want, right? When, when we go training places, if on scene training isn't held, you know, we're holding ourselves to a very high standard and I won't, I won't put up with anything less than that. So uh, it was a great place to be. Um, hopefully I, I sent the link to this. Hopefully someone will see this and uh, it's a good thing, man. They're good people. And I, I'm sure we're going to get back there, but uh, yeah. So again, training all over the world, firemen or firemen, man, they want, it. they want. It. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's incredible. That's awesome. It's um, good. Do you want to touch on, uh, on, on, on your part of the, the consolidation? I mean, sure. Sure. Uh, of, of the Hamilton districts. And yeah, I mean, you, you said that that was a long, a long time coming. You guys were talking about it. And yeah, uh, it was, like I said, I remember hearing about that when I was working in Bordentown in 2007. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you in 1990, they, they told me one day they would widen out that road that the firehouse was on and we were going to consolidate. Well, we consolidated. They still haven't done shit to the road. But uh, yeah, so Hamilton was it was nine fire districts uh, covering 44 square miles, you know, officially less than 100,000 people. It's a busy place. It, it's a very busy place. You know, Turnpike, 195, all that runs through it. Uh, we didn't even cover the Turnpike. We mutual aid because the Turnpike, like everybody knows, is is contractual. Right. So excuse me, uh, Robbinsville, and uh, back then it was still Washington Township, but Robbinsville and Allentown, Hope Fire Company of Allentown and Bordentown covered the turnpike, and we mutual aid them. Went there quite a bit, but mutual aid them. Um, so Hamilton has everything, every piece of infrastructure you could think of. Not a big high-rise district, right? Only a couple real high-rises, um, and uh, but a lot of mid-rises. And where I worked at 19s, it, it really now it's engine four in the new department, but it was 19 when I was there. Um, all of the Route 130 corridor just exploded, right? Four-story mid-rise stuff. I guess they would call them mid-rises. They're not they're not high-rises certainly, and they're not 
one and two family dwellings. So mostly four story wood frame, you know, protected to a degree as, as the code requires. But, you know, they're not going to go five stories because that would require real protection. So, uh, you know, it blew up out there and lots going on. And the districts, nine separate fire districts, 45 freaking fire commissioners. And they're all getting a piece, right? Some of them are making $20,000 a year as a fire commissioner. We were pissing away money, like, you know, just just take it and flush it, really. And it wasn't really going to the career staff, I can tell you that. And uh, contract-wise, the union guys could tell you better, but we had to be negotiating 25 contracts easily, right? Because every district was on its own contract. All the captains from each district, different contracts. The few chiefs that were there, different contracts, right? Um, you know, fire marshals, different. It, it was craziness. And you're talking about financial waste. Think of the legal fees. Just oh, the yeah. legal fees alone on contract negotiations. The, the the legal fees, the accounting fees, the the retainers. The you know, we weren't doing group purchasing until really maybe the last seven eight years that we actually did gear purchasing together. We weren't purchasing apparatus together. We had no plan, right? We just didn't have a plan. Um, each district had their plan, maybe. I know at nine we did, right? I can only speak for definitely what nine did. I know three that, that um, you know, Chief Kramer was at three. Steve Kramer was at three. I know he did. Chief Rich Kramer was at six. He had a plan. Uh, Chief Tazi was at two. I think, you know, he, he had some great ideas. He had some crazy ideas and some great ideas like all of us. And uh, he's the current chief of the new department. And John Rattaus was the chief at seven, Nottingham Station. But we weren't doing it together and we weren't doing it well. And we go to fires and we do a good job at fires for the most part. Right. But it was this herky jerk system and it was a broken system. And there were districts that were going broke. They just didn't have the money. And I, literally there were some I could go to a fire. And in reality, if a there were still volunteer chiefs that. You had to listen to him. Listen, I went to a fire one night and the volunteer chief was hammered. I knew he was hammered, right? Not in my district, but in another district. And this guy's drunk as shit. And he's giving me orders. And I'm like, I'm a captain. I'm supposed to follow these orders. This guy is a shit show, right? I'm, I told him, I said, I'm not listening to you. Well, I'm going to jam you up. I right, jam me up, bro. But we're not, I'm not getting guys killed because you're a drunk. Get off the street, you know? And we went at it pretty good. And when our chief came home from vacation and his esky came home, he was on vacation. First thing I did, walked in his office and said, you're going to get a phone call. I absolutely did everything they're saying I did. But I did it for this reason. And if you wanted to pop me, I get it. I did it. It was wrong, but it wasn't wrong. In the end, it all worked out. And the guys, you know, he's, he was no longer there and it all worked out. But that's just a microcosm again of how effed up this whole thing was. We were a, we were a shit show. Um, and the men and women did a great job in spite of our shitty system. That's how I look at it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, never, you never heard nightmare stories about any of the district. You heard the drama. I mean, okay. obviously from being around the area, the fire service is small. If it's, a fire, if it's a firehouse, there's, if it's a firehouse, there's going to be drama, bro. That's how it yeah, works. Exactly. Exactly. You heard, you heard this, you heard that. But you never, incident-wise, there was never the guys worked when the bells went off. The guys worked together well, which yeah. Yeah. which tells you there's something wrong 
here. Yes. Yeah. Not here on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> we had our own problems in the middle, but but we could cover them up with our activity. We were good. We drilled hard and we did drill with each other mutual aid wise really hard in, in a lot of areas. And the guys who weren't getting that wanted it. They did want it. It wasn't their fault that they couldn't get it. You know, you're always going to have the, the bum sitting in the corner that don't want to do nothing. But you work well in spite of those guys. Right. You're, you're never going to avoid that 10 percent. Right. 10 percent of guys cause 90 percent of your problems. Of course. You know, of course. Look, at you, look at look at the news any night tonight. Right. Anytime you want. 10 percent of the people are what's causing the 90 percent of the problems probably in the nation. So it's yeah. just again, it's it's just reflection of society. But uh, we got to a point where we had tried consolidation several times and there was always these committees and this talk. But the commissioners were involved and nothing against commissioners because some of them were absolute, absolute gentlemen and very good people doing it all for the right reasons. Just top shelf. Right. But some of them were assholes. And again, some of them were in it for themselves. They were selfish. They were taking money. There was money being stolen. Nobody could tell me it wasn't. Right. I mean, they're, they they popped the guy. I mean, they put a guy in jail over it. So it's not like I'm bullshitting. Right. It's all documentable stuff. We were a train wreck when it came to the administration. They weren't going to take their own jobs away. They weren't going to do it. So the union had to make the push. And again, I believe in a lot of things with the union. I really do. I think you need a union in a lot of places to protect you from bad actors and from getting hosed, right? However, we can be our worst enemies too. And I've seen it go both ways. I've seen it go both ways, right? But in the process, the union took the lead in this thing. And we got to a point where the chiefs were all bought in. They all knew we got to do this, right? Some of the volleys still didn't want to do it. Some commissioners didn't want to do it. But then the, we, we made the decision as a union, we're going forward. The officers union and the firemen's union, we are going to push all the way. We're going to back a candidate that, that supports this. We're going to get political, which, you know, when you get political, you're, you're, you're juggling fire, literally, you know, excuse the it's pun. It's very dangerous. It's dangerous. You, you look at a, a few departments in North Jersey. Yeah, they backed the wrong candidate for mayor, and now they can't get rid of that mayor. And a few yeah. years ago, the one mayor told the fire department, "Oh yeah, you're going back to that uh, tens and fourteen schedule." So I hope yeah. you guys don't live far. Well, at least they're on. A, at least it's still a four platoon system, but it's better than going to twenty four forty eight. It's like everybody else in the country, but but yeah, it's a problem. And and so we we backed a horse, right? We backed a, a, a town councilman who had not been there long. Um, clean record, treated us right, told us everything we wanted to hear. Um, and we got together and we did it and, and we worked really hard at it. And I, I will say that the, the guys who were involved in this, who made that push work their asses off. We went door to door to get petitions signed because we had to shut down nine fire districts that didn't really want to be shut down. So it wasn't like the volunteers, I, I can't say all of them, but there were some volunteers that helped us, but not many. They weren't going to, they didn't want to be a part of this mess, right? They didn't want to step out on the limb. So we were going door to door. We, our union did a great job coordinating that. The state helped us. We had, you know, some guys from around the state come in and help us. We, we walked the streets for months getting the petition signed. And then you had to make sure that everything was right because to do, get rid of a fire district in New Jersey isn't that hard if the town council's willing to do it and they're working with you. But 
in a town that's as big as Hamilton, you know, it's hard when you got that big a place. So we did it. And we got the we got the mayor who's currently there, Mayor Martin elected. And um, there's no doubt that, you know, the votes that the FMBA pulled did it. And and his whole premise was, I am going to make the fire department better. We're going to be safer. We're going to save you money. We're going to do all these things. We're going to have everything right. Pie in the sky, because that's what they tell you. And we did it. Um, I stepped into kind of I'd been very busy with the union. I was big in the union at one point. Um, and then what happened for me was the chief at District 9, Chief Anizeski, decided he was pulling the plug. And he had been a part of all the consolidation talks, all of the meetings, everything involved. He was the, the senior chief in Hamilton. He was going to be chief of department and decided, you know what, I'm going to live my life and, and go do other things, whatever they were, whatever, you know, he had other priorities at that point and he had his time and he was smart. He, he pulled the plug um, and it worked out perfectly for me because I became chief of district nine. So, but I became chief of district nine in February of, I guess it was 2020, right? When COVID just. Oh, I, I was actually, that was one of the things I was going to ask. Because you had dish, you had chiefs of department, which New Jersey civil service law, yep. in different districts. So when they yep. consolidated that, obviously one one town can only have one title yeah. fire chief. How did, yeah. I was going to ask you how did that how did that play out? Yeah. So what we did, um, we had met with civil service. God, years and years prior, way prior, when I was still on the board of of local two eighty four, I was. I was vice president at 284 at the time. We met with civil service several times and we knew what the deal was. It was going, they were going to have to demote four out of five of us. And that was just how it was. And then it would be a special promotion list based on our seniority in title. So at that point, yeah. So at that point, Chief yeah. So Chief Anizeski was going to become chief of department. Uh, chief Rich Kramer would have been number two. Um, uh, Chief Tazi was going to be number three. Steve Kramer was four and Chief Retalis was was after him. I was the, the last, you know, at the end when everybody gets promoted a bump because Chief Anizeski left, I made chief and I was the number five guy. Right. Because even though I had the most time in the department, like the day I retired, I retired. I was 32 years, eight months. I had the most seniority in the Hamilton Fire Service at the time. However, but it was in grade time. Right. But my in grade time was the least. So I'd been a captain 20 years, but I had only been a chief for 10 months. Um, so I stepped in as chief in, in 2020. Literally, you know, Chief Anzeski had really helped see this thing forward. Chief Kramer was was now taking up the reins of it and going to be appointed the new fire chief uh, when consolidation happened. And um, we got there. We got there and we backed it. We backed the right horse at the time to do it. Um, in 2020 was tough, man. COVID hit, right? Here we are trying to create a new fire department. And we've got all these challenges, all the lockdowns, all the other stuff, you know, and it was just crazy. It was a crazy scenario. Um, and my personal life, it was just nuts. I, I remember when you guys had your, your swearing in when every yeah. member had worn into the township. Mm -hmm. What was it? Every member had to come in by themselves individually. Yeah, we all we all had it. Yeah, that was wild. 
Yeah. Uh, what was it? 120 something firemen had yeah. to come in individually. Yeah. And the mayor swore every one of us in that day. Yeah. It was crazy. But uh, leading up to it, it was a ton of work. We had a bunch of committees. We had a building committee, an apparatus committee, personnel committee. And it was all through the union and, and with the chiefs. And and honestly, I think we did a pretty good job. Right. We thought we were doing a good job. We thought we were prepared. We weren't prepared. Nobody, nobody had done this before to this level. Right. The biggest thing had been Cherry Hill was fire district. And then, of course, North Hudson with all the cities do, doing it. But nobody had done what we were doing. So we were getting advice from guys who had been through it in those places. But ours was still a little bit different. And then we were doing it during COVID. And honestly, that was a goddamn train wreck. It really was. It was very difficult. Um, and uh, so it was what it was. And and But the guys did a good job. They worked hard at it. Um, we, we made mistakes. We made mistakes. We made big mistakes. Um, well, again, that goes back to you don't know what you don't know until yeah. you find out. And, and it was... It was a trial and error process that there was no tomorrow. Hey, we'll do it this way. Yeah. It's a once in a lifetime thing. And it is. It, it is. And, and you know, the other thing was. I like to believe people are honest, right? I do. I had a guy the other day at the flea market tell me, no, people aren't honest. He, I had a guy trying to get around me to not pay the entry fee for what we were doing at the special festival. And the guy's like, he was trying to sneak by. I said, well, I think he was being honest and he just didn't read the sign. And the guy goes, people aren't honest. I said, well, I like to believe they are, you know? And and we believed. Well, well that means you're lying to me about people not being honest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, we 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 bought in, man. We bought into what the, the mayor was telling us. We bought into all of it. I'm not going to talk bad about the mayor, but. I disagree with things he did. Highly disagree with things he did. Um, you know, we we did this thing because we wanted safety. We wanted accountability. You know, we needed more chiefs. We never even knew if we were having a chief coming in the district model. We didn't know a fire chief would show up on the scene. So I can tell you, I ran a lot of working fires as a captain. And I was incident commander for a long time before a chief showed up. Right. Me and my four guys on my rig. And now I got to be the IC on, you know, something that's really blowing and going. So we wanted all these things and, and we were promised all these things. Well, a few months into it, looking at the budget numbers, these things can't be done. The overtime for the men was there and, and they, for the most part in the beginning, well, we were supposed to always have two chiefs on Hamilton's a big place. It's 44 square miles. It's a lot of traffic, a lot of population. If I take in a fire alarm in the Groveville district and something comes in in Bromley, which is on the Trenton border, you're screwed, man. You're 15, 18 minutes trying to get across town, lights and sirens, falls to the wall. It's not and safe. throwing traffic. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not safe. And so the minute that the mayor said that oh, we're not replacing chiefs. Well, what the hell did we do? Wait a minute. We said we were doing this for safety. I guess we're not doing this for safety. Where's all the money from the fire districts that was left over in capital? Where is that money? I don't know. Maybe today they know where it is. But I can tell you when I was working, it was still not being told where it was. DPW probably has a few new uh, dump trucks or garbage trucks or something. Whatever, you know, whatever. But, but I can tell you the transition wasn't as smooth as we thought it would be. 
And then you start, then the pointing finger starts happening. Well, it's just, it's the fire chief's fault. The mayor's going, well, the fire chief should be able to make it work. And the fire chief's going, wait, when we, when we ended this thing, we had about 30 to $31 million in budgets between all the fire districts. 31 million is a lot of goddamn money. When we walked into Hamilton Fire Department in 2021, I could be off, but I know we were four to five million less than that as our budget, at least the numbers I looked at. Now, I could be wrong. I, you know, I'm sure somebody smarter than me that's an accountant could do better math. Bottom line is, if we lost $100, it's bullshit because you were doing it on this. We wanted to provide the service. And we we hit a lot of roadblocks and and then we got a lot of internal fighting and and then a lot of accusations back and forth amongst us. And and I was part of it. Believe me, I'm, I'm still not happy with certain things that went on. But here's what I'm going to tell you about that. Today. Today, the Hamilton Fire Department is good at what they do. It's very good at what they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. For the people who live in that town. We are absolutely, and I'm not doing it anymore, but I like to think that I'm still a part of it because I trained all those guys and, and I left them with all the knowledge I possibly could. Um, I think that they're doing a hell of a good job at fires. If my family lived there, I would feel safe that the majority of these guys could do a really good job. They're making grabs. You know, they're, you can see what they're doing. They're taking in a lot of work right, lately, man. They've had a run. But I'm a little jealous because I was looking at what platoon it was, and I think it was my old one. But uh, um, the the overall, the operations of the Hamilton Fire Department are far, far better than we were as fire districts. So in the end, in the end, if you're talking service delivery to the to the pay, people that deserve it, I believe it it was it's being done better. Lots of room for improvement. You know, oh, we don't like what this guy did. We don't like the chief's decision on this. I don't agree with everything the chief's doing, but you know what? He's the chief. And in my opinion, I respect that. And I think he's done a lot of good things too. And I, I think they're every department, right? If I was, I, and that's what I told the guys, even when I was still working, listen, man, there's decisions being made upstairs that I don't agree with, but I'm going to follow it because that's my job, right? It, it's not going to get me killed. It's not going to get me hurt. It's not costing me money out of my pocket. Do I agree with it? No. But you know what? If I was the fire chief, are you going to agree with everything I say? No, I'll be the asshole too. So, you know, you're in that hot seat, man. You're you're the lightning rod. That's your job is to be the lightning rod. Give give the men, you're muted, Nick. Give the men everything that that you can possibly give them, right? Men and women, I'm sorry, but to me, firemen are firemen. I don't care what you yeah. What, it's a what it's a genderless term to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. I don't care about identities. You know, maybe I'm um behind the times. Tough shit. Uh, but bottom line is, give our people on the street what they need. Give yeah. them every uh, every possible way to be successful. It's no different yeah. than the coach who says, "I got to put my people in the right place to do make the play." Right? Yeah. It's the same 100%. thing. Fire, it's the same thing with a fire department. My job as as when I was chief of training and I was kind of overseeing special ops with battalion chief green, it was to give them everything they needed and make it happen. It was no different than when I was a fire commissioner in new Egypt, chief Morgan would come to us and there was a time where he wanted a certain type of nozzle. And as a fire commissioner, right, you're approving budgets, right? You're approving this stuff. I hated that nozzle to this day. I think that nozzle is a piece of shit, right? It is a piece of shit. You don't, 
they, they it's a boat anchor, but it is what it is, right? He wanted them. My opinion was, yeah, I know my knowledge. I know my base. You know, at the time I was a captain, I understood everything going on, but he was the fire chief. And it was, I, I didn't feel that I should try to try to go against him because what, what does that say? He says his men need this. You know what? My job is, do we have the money for it? The accountant says, yes, chief, buy what you're supposed to buy. You're, you're, the, you're the fire guy. You know more, right? Commissioners shouldn't be, they shouldn't be doing that. And I know there's probably commissioners listening to this going, bullshit, I know everything. Well, <laughs> so seen, a, wise, a, a wise man once told me, and he was a, a, a city fire chief, a volunteer fire chief in, in Howell, New Jersey, and he was a commissioner in Howell, mm-hmm. Dr. Harry Carter. Oh, yeah. told me a long time ago, if you're a boss and everybody's your friend, you're not doing your job. That is absolutely correct. And those absolutely. people are smiling at uh, smiling and laughing at you. Absolutely. They're correct. not your friends. Absolutely. They're not your friends because they're setting you up for failure. It's absolutely true. Listen, man, if you don't ruffle a few feathers, you ain't doing your job. Bottom line. Yeah, you're if, 100% if right. I don't know who it was. Was it Bill Gates or was it Steve Jobs? One of these, you know, super rich gurus that said, you know, if you're making every the only way to make everybody happy is to sell ice cream, you know, something like that. Whatever the yeah. whatever the phrase was, and it's true. I mean, listen, man, I we're all gonna have our detractors. We're all gonna have enemies. We're all gonna have people that want to take yeah. a shot at us. That's okay. 100%. That's okay. We all have our opinions of people. I have my opinion of people, and I'm doing a better job as I get older of controlling what I say, but. uh you know, or, or maybe it's the opposite. You get old, you start just, ah, screw it. The filter's off. I don't give a shit. But, uh, <laughs> but, but bottom line, consolidation needed to happen. Consolidation needs to happen all over the state of New Jersey, in, in my opinion, right? Uh, I mean, I look at what's going on where I live, right? I live in the borough of Wrightstown right now, right? I grew up in New Egypt. My ex-wife and my daughter still live in the, in the same house there. My, my mom lives in the house that I grew up in. I got lots of friends there. But you look, right? Just look at this little area. New Egypt, Wrightstown, Jacobstown, Cookstown. They'd be better off being regional. They'd definitely be better off. And pull your resources. Pull the money. Do it the right way. But it's not going to happen. It ain't going to happen in my lifetime because, oh, not my fucking sandbox. And that's the facts. Look it over and look at Millstone. 100%. Allentown, right? Millstone, Allentown, you know, even the Jacksons right now, if you look, right, they're doing better. They're doing, oh. they're getting there. They're working at Plains, it. Plainsboro, Princeton, West Windsor, right. uh, Cranberry, that whole group right there, they're all starting to put on one crew, one crew, one crew. But what happens when you have a first alarm fire? Now I just stripped four towns. Well, it it's all going to work its way out in time, right? It's it's those baby steps that we all have to take, right? You look Absolutely. at right now. 100%. For years, we didn't work that well with Trenton. Hamilton didn't go to Trenton that much. Only a few companies, Fringe Company, and it was Buddy Boxes, and it was all bullshit. Today, they're working seamlessly from what I see. When I was there, I thought we were working seamlessly. Same thing with Lawrence. Same thing with Princeton. Like, it's all yeah, coming together. It's, it's, it's all going to come together in time. We just got to set our egos and set the bullshit aside and remember. You know, I know that the whole, oh, it's for them, right? That's the, that's the big thing. It's for them. Well, God damn it. It is for them. It is. And we got to remember that. And it's for us as well. And let's do it together. Let's do it together. Big picture vision. And we're going to be better. Our people are going to be better. Our service will be better. You know, it's just 
I know I'm, I'm pie in the sky. I look at it through rose colored glasses, maybe. And my dad tells me the same thing. I'm too much of an idealist for this job, <laughs> you know, but, but you're right. You're a hundred percent right. If, when, if I'm not doing what's right for us in the firehouse, how am I doing what's right for the customer on the street, a customer, citizen, whatever you want to call them. Right. The person, the end user of our service, which whether you want to admit it or not, we are a service industry. Great. Would you expect this kind of service from a restaurant? Right. Listen, I, no. you know, half the time I'd get up and walk out. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of places that they're, they're doing a disservice. They'd be better off not calling 911 and just letting the shit go because some of the yeah. acts that I've seen, holy cow. But again, I, I still look at my glasses half full. I still look at the fire service as the glass half full. We're better today than we were when I was a kid. I, you know, the warriors were the warriors. I kind of came in at the end of that and they were going to fires every day and it was what it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then we got away, we got away, we got into the, the Brunacini model or this model or that model and nothing against them. Those are, those are absolute gentlemen and absolutely you know, very, very important people in the fire service. There's, there's, you know, if there was a, a Mount Rushmore fireman, I'm sure those guys are on it. Right. But we did, in my opinion, we mission drift several ways in the fire service and God damn it. It says fire department. So be good at fires, be really good at fires. You know, should you be good at fire prevention? Should you be good at EMS? Should you be good at hazmat? Yeah, sure. But shit, if you can't stretch a line and you can't throw a ladder and you can't force a door and you can't read the smoke, what are we doing? We're doing a disservice to our families. 100%, sir. We're doing 100%. a disservice. We're doing a disservice. Be firemen. Enjoy the fact that we're firemen, man. I mean, you look at you look at what's behind me, right? It's all fire shit in places I've been, right? It's it's that's what we should be so freaking proud of and ate up by, right? Like I'm I'm old in this job. I know that I'm in the twilight, right? But I'm still ate up. I want to go to a fire every fucking day if I could. Sorry about that, but I do. No, I, please. If I could if I could go to a fire every day, I'd be I bet you my wife would think I'm a lot easier to get along with. <laughs> right? Because I'm I'm in a better mood. There's no doubt. Right? I hear you. I so, hear you. So the I guys who say I worked with guys who say, Oh, if I go to another fire, I don't even care if I ever go to another fire in my career. I'm like, I don't want to work with that jerk off. Nope. Be be energized. Nope. Be ready to go to fires and be. This is what we want. Should you be a good EMT if that's what your job is? Yeah, you better be Absolutely. good at what you do. I expect you to be high performing wherever yep. you are. If you're on sock, if you're on the hazmat, if you're stuck on an ambulance, but 100%. be good at it and then work at your. But you got to work at your fire skills because they're diminishing skills, right? Yeah. Not, not everybody's going to a lot of fires. It's just what it is. Right, right yeah. now, Hamilton is just taking job after job. Trenton's going to more jobs. I'm sure, you know, the cities, Jersey City, Newark, Elizabeth, North Hudson, yeah. you know, Camden, they're still catching work all the time. But is a little place like, you know, whatever, you know, is New Egypt going a lot of jobs? No, nah, they ain't going a lot of jobs. So what's that mean? You better train your asses off. You better get good at what you're expected to do. And if 100%. you're not, if you're not, there's no excuse. I don't care if you're a volunteer 100%. career guy. If you don't want to go to fires, and you don't want to train, you, you kind of should look in the mirror and go, what's going on here, right? And if and if you're firemen, if you're an officer, and your firemen are that way, you're blowing it. 
that's on you. Either you got the wrong people in there, you're not demanding yep. enough from your people, or yep. you're a goddamn slug who shouldn't. You're not a leader. You're not training them right. Yeah, you're just you're not setting the example. It's about the culture, and that is something we have lost in a lot of fire departments. And we got to get it back. We got to get it back. Yeah. And and listen, I listen to everybody's podcasts, right? I'm I'm thrilled that I'm your first guest on yours, but I listen to all of them from all over the country, and. I know I'm not the only guy saying this, right? It is about we got to foster this and we got to bring it to the guys. I don't think young firemen are against it. I just don't think we're showing it to them enough, right? They're not against it. They're not bad guys. We just got to show it. We got to lead them that way. We got to help build it. In, in, Amen. I, you know, and I'm, I know I'm on a freaking roll here, but <laughs> I volunteer. I've, I've been a volunteer member of New Egypt since 1987, right? I've seen us at ultra high and I've seen us ultra low, right? Do we need to rebuild it? Yep. It, it can it be rebuilt. Yep. Only with will. It takes will. It takes desire and it takes a, a, a the knowledge okay. of how to do it. Right. My and dad it, used to say, you got to have the wanna. If you don't you have do the it. wanna, yep. you're never going to do anything. You got to want to do it. You got to have the, you got to want to be better. Yeah. You got to have drive. And, and again, I know not everybody in the fire service is going to be ate up like I am. I get that, you know, and, and I don't blame you. Listen, not everybody has to be. I, I listened to a podcast today and and and, uh, and last night and finished listening to it today. And um, the, the chief was talking about about how he felt things should be. And I agreed with really a lot of what he had to say. I really did. But one thing that. I don't think he would have agreed with me. And I was talking to my son about it today. And I went, you know what? On the career side of it, I worked with some guys. They weren't into the job. They just weren't. They were on the job. They weren't into it, right? Joey D and and anybody that knows Joey, Joey D. Bernardo died as a result of Black Sunday in, in the city. Um, Joey D was a friend of mine. And, and his thing was, are you into the job or are you on the job, right? You got to be into the job. Here's the thing. If the guy is at least into the job when he comes to the firehouse, that's what I need, especially in the career side. That's what I need. Right. Yeah. I don't need you to be ate up by it. I don't <clears throat> I don't need you when you leave and you take your uniform off and your soccer dad or your, you know, whatever you're going hunting or you're going fishing or you're going surfing, whatever the day may may hold. You're just, you know, being daddy daycare, whatever the case may be. Right. Because I lived that life for a long time. You don't have to be ate up by the job then. But God damn it, when the badge goes on, when the uniform goes on, and, and certainly when you get on that piece of apparatus, you better be all about the job, totally ate up by it and ready to go, prepared, do it right, and, and no shortcuts, no bullshit, and no excuses, right? To me, that's what the guy has to have. Now, do I think that, you know, certain guys have it in their heart and it's just their life and that that's me. I know that's what I am. I can't expect, right? And all the guys that work for me are on scene, right? Not really work for me. They work with me. I I, I do what they tell me. But uh, all I do for them is sign the checks. But uh, <laughs> but but they're ate up by the job. And do they have a day where they just want to sit in the recliner? Yeah. And that's okay. Absolutely. It's okay, man. You're fucking human. Guys who say that, every day is a training and, day. And three quarters of those guys probably feel guilty on those days that they're sitting in the recliner. I've had those days, right? I've I've gone to work and just didn't feel up to the task. I, I knew I could do my job, 
but was I energetic? Did I want to get out on the floor and, and, and do a writ drill or whatever? No, man, we've all had that day. Something else. Exactly. We're human. But do not let it affect your performance. If it affects your performance, Absolutely. you shouldn't be there. You should not be there. Yep. It's going to affect your performance. Yeah. So, again. All right, Chief. Go cut you off. Right. We're going to start the uh, – we're, we're like 20 minutes out from two hours. Holy so uh, we'll start with – yeah, right? It gets – a it gets going. I pre-recorded an episode yesterday, and before I before we realized it, it, it felt like a five minute conversation. It was hour. It was two hours and ten minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have some standard Sorry. questions. Sure. I had some standard questions that I I want to ask everybody. There's some Jersey questions. There you go. Number one, I have a feeling I know how this is going to go. Is it pork roll or Taylor ham? Oh, uh, it's pork roll. It's pork roll. I, 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 live south of, I live south of the Mason-Dixon line, bro. It's pork roll. <laughs> well, we'll get to that question in a minute. Yeah. Best pizza in New Jersey. Oh, shit. Best pizza in New Jersey. That is That that might be one of the toughest questions ever, right? Well, I, mean, I at least narrowed it down to, the, to New Jersey because we know the best pizzas in New Jersey, just like we know I, the best firemen come from New Jersey. I like to think that. I like to think that. But – uh. Yeah, and pizza. Uh, listen, you can't go wrong with with Papa's. You can't go wrong with DiLorenzo's, right? I mean, those are just. I I worked in Hamilton. We're 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 where it all came from, you know. That's, that's how it is. But uh, yeah, and there's some good other. There's some great other pizza joints. I'll tell you, there's one that doesn't get talked about is JoJo's at Five Points in Mercerville in Hamilton. It's an old family okay. owned family owned no. bar, and uh, JoJo's makes the best bar pies I've ever had. Out, okay. Out, All right. Out, I'm gonna check that out. Love JoJo's. Yeah. Yeah. Good to check that out soon. Good pies. Yeah. All right. Is it the? Do you go to the beach or you go down the shore? You go down the shore. You don't go to the beach. You go down the shore. <laughs> yeah. What's your yeah. beach of preference? Uh, so I can show you. Right. Listen, I got a tattoo. Of, <laughs> I got a tattoo of, of North Seventh Street in Surf City. Um, <laughs> It, it's uh, I love LBI. I've always loved LBI. Uh, when I was a kid, we went to Seaside because that's where you tried to pick up girls and you could get away with drinking underage. But uh, <laughs> I don't know about today, but um, <laughs> we got a lot of fun there. But uh, I proposed actually to my wife on on North 7th, on the beach at North 7th. So uh, that holds a very special place in my heart. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, does Central Jersey really exist? Goddamn right it does. And here's how I will tell you that. Here's how I will tell you that, right? <laughs> so my mom owns my mom owns the New Egypt Flea Market, which is right on Route 537 and Evergreen yep. Road in in New Egypt, where where Monmouth County, Ocean County, and Burlington County all come together. There's a Christmas tree farm directly behind our property, Evergreen Tree Farm, right, or Yuletide Tree Farm, whatever it's called. There is actually an official marker. In the middle of that tree farm that was put there by the Department of Agriculture, designated the geographic center of the state of New Jersey. No shit. And my mom reminds me of that. <laughs> so that is central Jersey, in my opinion. I didn't know that, but I love it. I That's love it. it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, my, what... my kids used to cut Christmas trees in, in around the holidays there, so I know it was there. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I'm gonna have to check that out next time I'm out that way. Yeah, proudest moment on the job, or proudest achievement, or or moment on the job. 
man, I got to tell you, bro, there's a lot. There really are. And, and nobody's ever asked me that. I don't think if they did, I don't recall that question. So, wow. Um, you kind of stumped me. And I don't shut up usually. But uh, And I, I sent these to you a week ago. Did you? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't. Read, I didn't read it. Honest to God, been all over half of, half of the country by since then. I'm sorry, I've been everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Oh, I just read the comments. Greg Collier is absolutely right. When you're at the shore, you go to the beach. That's the facts. Exactly. That's, yep. When you're down the shore, you're going to the beach. Yep. Yep. Um, and hi, Greg. It's been a long time, bro. Um. So, my. I, I guess some of my. I'll, g- I'll give you a couple of them. All right. Um. One of my proudest achievements. <laughs> honestly was becoming the chief in, in fire district nine in Hamilton. Um, it was kind of a culmination of a long career, you know, and then uh, being part of the consolidation and being the deputy chief working for chief rich Kramer and working for chief Tazi, they were very proud moments in my career. They really were. And working with the men and women at that department, I, you know, it chokes me up a little bit because I just feel like, we really, we struggled, man. And we, we made mistakes and, and we did things that we probably shouldn't have done in different ways, all that. but it was a crowning achievement to get them to where they, where they were. And they're going beyond where I took them, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're doing great things. And I'm really proud of some of those firemen. I'm, I'm really, really proud of those guys. I, I have a deep love for the Hamilton fire department as much as they piss me off with certain things. Right. Uh, <laughs> And, and uh, you know, the other thing, I guess there's a couple others. I mean, my son becoming a career firefighter, he's on a job in, in Houma, Louisiana, um, and he did it his way. Totally not. Like, he went to a paid fi- a career fire department that I I had some problems there. No shit. Like, I did training for him, and we had a ruffle one time, and it, it they weren't, I, they definitely not fans of me. And when he said he was going there, I'm like, bro, do you know what you're doing? Like, uh, <laughs> You sure you want to go there? I'm not sure that's a great idea, but but I was proud that he did it. I'm I'm proud that he did it his way. And uh my daughter and my mom and my sister and I got to go down for his pinning. And uh I think he's becoming a good fireman. And um, you know, as long as my kids yeah, as long as my kids are good people, I I think life is good. I I, you know, I got I got my two and a and a stepson, and I'm very proud of all three of them. Um so, but Absolutely. fire service wise, yeah, those, those are kind of my crowning moments. And then being a part of on-scene training, this is our 20th year. Um, we're one of the oldest training active and, and nonstop, you know, we never took a break training companies in the country. Uh, we've been doing it for 20 years and, um, that is a crowning achievement. And it, and again, awesome. I, it's not just because of me, I, you know, I signed the checks, but these guys that work with me. There's probably about 30 of them and they're just, they're just good people. And they're my best friends. They're great people. Um, I learned so much from them and, and they make me who I am. They really do. Like I'm so blessed through the hardest days of my life. Right. I mean, it's for a different topic, but I mean, listen, there was, there was a time where I didn't want to live anymore. I went through a, a pretty tough divorce, pretty public, pretty, pretty sloppy. It wasn't good. You know, I'm sure my kids hated me at one point, you know, you know, all the shit that goes on and that sort of thing. And um, those guys really were there for me. And um, 
even guys who may not be still with on scene, but they were there for me. They were my friends. They worried about me. They took care of me. They looked in on me. Um, they were my therapy, honestly, until I really went to therapy and got my shit squared away. Um, so yeah, I mean, those, that's, that's my career, man. It's, uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You know? So, uh, the last 10, 12 minutes are all yours. Well, I, uh, like I said, I, I really appreciate you having me on. It's cool. It's, it's an honor to be number one, right? Um, yeah. all the other guys are going to raise the bar over this. Guaranteed that I saw your list of who you've got coming on. Oh. Holy shit. You got some heavy hitters, man. Great people. Great people. Yeah. But, I, I'm nervous. That, some of the emails came in and I was, I, I was nervous. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're great people. I was, as I said off screen, I was I was very honored that you accepted my offer to be number one. Um, because as I as I told you off screen, you you had that special moment in my the beginning of my career where you were the first person outside of my my bubble, and I have a very large bubble that I grew up in in the fire service. And you were the first one outside of that bubble to really take a moment and and give me advice and and tell me, you know what, if this is something you want to do, you are going to need to keep taking tests and you're going to have to work at it. It's not something that's going to fall in your lap. And, and that meant a lot to me. And that's why I especially am proud I was able to get you on as our first episode and our first guest. It's, it's cool. It's cool when life comes full circle, bro. It really is. Um, Definitely. You, you talk about going full circle, right? I told you about uh, Illinois Fire Service Institute, you know, when mm -hmm. I went there as a student thinking, my God, these guys, they were like legends to me. You know, I, I heard about Bob Hoff. I heard about Tommy Trevino. I heard about Don Hayde, you know, and I was just like, holy shit, these guys, are, I get to be with them. Oh, my gosh. And um, many years later, uh the engine, the engine company program there was guided by Andy Frederick, right? And I knew Andy because I was friends with Champ and and you know a lot of those guys. So we were all in the, we were running in the same circles as young up and comers. And Andy Frederick was oh my god, what what a just what a person, right? So I was honored that I got to I got to meet him. Um, but so Andy died nine eleven. And mm -hmm. um, didn't die, was fucking murdered. But, you know, 9-11. <laughs> but I'm not bitter. You lost them. Um, yeah, lost exactly. Them. So that program kind of went stagnant for a little while. And I, out of the blue, I get a call from Brian Brower, the director at the time of, of whatever he was the director of at Illinois Fire Service Institute. I didn't know Brian. I think I might have met him somewhere, but I didn't really know him. And he introduced himself and he says, listen, um, we're restarting the engine company ops program. And we would like another East Coast influence at the University of Illinois. And I'm like, oh, OK. And I didn't know anything about it. Honestly, I knew nothing about it. I knew about the, the institute. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know the engine program. And he says, um, you know, this program was was really started and guided by Andy Frederick. And I'm like, whoa. No pressure or nothing. My name should no never. My name should never. <laughs> be the same sentence no no pressure. Said. Yeah, my name shouldn't have been in the same sentence as Andy's other than somebody who really admired him and studied his work. Um, and uh, Larry Cohen was teaching there. If you know Larry, he's uh, Fireground Technologies, a retired FDNY guy. Um, Larry was teaching in the engine program and they brought me in. So we were kind of the East Coast 
guys for that. And uh, I taught in that program for, for a while um, until the economy crashed. And they basically said no more outside guys are coming in. So that was the end <laughs> of that for a while. But a uh, huge honor, right? My, 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 my the, the point of my novel here is my life went full circle when it came to that. I was yeah. there looking at these guys and then I got to teach there. It was pretty freaking cool. Um, so that was, that was neat. And, um, you know, my life has gone to the training world. I, I, I've dedicated it all to the training world. My, my life right now, it's on scene training associates. It's let's, I told the guys the other night in Pennsylvania when we were doing this program, what I love about morning pride, right. And I'm not selling their gear. I, it sells itself. So this ain't an ad, but what I love about morning pride and what I love about morning pride as a company and they did this years ago when Bill and Mary Grillo owned it. And since then, uh, the people that are there today are, are doing it, too. Um, I want our firemen to be the best. I We have great firemen, man. We, we just I love it. I love being around firemen. They're good at what they do. They can be great at what they do if we give it to them. So what do we do? What I love about Morning Pride, they're giving them the protection to go do the job. Right. They give them the best gear, in my opinion. Right. And I know guys who love other love fire decks, love blow, whatever that take your opinion, whatever. You know, everybody's got just my old man told me about opinions years ago. They're like assholes. <laughs> Everybody has one. And the other guys always they all say, yeah. So, but um, but that's my opinion. And uh, it is what it is. But bottom line, they provide the equipment. I've helped provide that training and my guys, yeah. the unseen guys. I believe wholeheartedly that we are making better firemen. And I'm not saying that they need to be made better because I think they're really freaking good. But if we can give them what we know, right, before I die, if, if all I'm remembered for is he made firemen better, right, and he took good care of his family and he loved his wife and he, you know, he helped his children and, and he, you know, pet his dog a lot, then I, I lived a pretty good freaking life, right? Yeah. That's, that's how I got to look at it. And and that's my goal with on scene. Do we want to make a buck here and there? Yeah, we got, we kind of do. Right. It's all yeah. part of it. Anybody Who tells you, that's, anybody tells that's you what makes the world go around. Right. Listen, anybody tells you they're in the training business and it's solely for, you know, this, that, and the other, they're full of shit. Right. And if they are in it for that, eventually their wife will tell them to stop doing that. Right. <laughs> listen, you can only work for t-shirts so many times. Right. But, <laughs> T-shirts, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But bottom line, um, I'm honored on scene training is is uh, 20 years old this year. We're celebrating our 20th. We're going to do some things. Congratulations. Uh, we are going to announce some open enrollment stuff coming up here. It'll probably be towards the fall. Um, okay. And it's going to be some cool stuff. It'll be out there all over social media. Um, and I'll be at uh, I'll be at FDIC. Several of our instructors are. Uh, we're not doing hot this year, uh, which is okay with me. Um, there's some great hot programs that are going on out there. Take them, enjoy it, learn, bring it home, right? It's the big show. Um, do I think you should go to small conferences? Yeah, yeah. Not everybody can go to FDIC, and FDIC is not for everyone. So go to the small conferences. Go check out the Joey D Memorial uh, Seminar, right? It's in Long Island, first weekend of November. It's very cost effective. Uh, Chief D and, and Kevin Yost, they bring in tremendous, tremendous instructors, lots of hands on uh, and some other good stuff, uh, lectures and so forth. We're, we're actually going to Texas uh, next month to do the Joey D Lone Star. 
So if you're down that way, jump on it. It's, again, great stuff. But take the local conferences, all the fool's stuff, right? All of the fool's stuff out there. The fools are, the, in my opinion, the guiding light of the fire service. And um, if you don't know what the fools are, I know in Jersey right now, I'd say the most active group is the What Exit Fools. Um, they're from Monmouth County area and they're doing a great job. Um, so get out and do that training. On Scene is going to be a part of lots of stuff. You can find us on Instagram, On Scene Training. Uh, and, and I'll be posting your uh, your links and everything in the description. Uh, in the the comments on this yeah as well tonight so thank you thank you and and like i said there's i'm just blessed man and, and i could go on and on with some of the guys but like you know you want to get good information and you want to go online and listen and find good information right maddie paglione is a 27 truck maddie puts up boogie down truck work it's really good information that's proven danny mccauley's from boston ladder six right alarm alarm of fire on instagram great stuff other training companies are putting out great stuff, right? So, I mean, I'm not, my opinion is there's plenty of work and training for all of us. And, uh, and the good guys deserve to do the work. The guys who haven't made a hallway, but all of a sudden started a training company, in my opinion, you suck and you shouldn't be doing that because you're doing a disservice to the, to the job and you're misleading people for money. Um, and that's going on, but that's a whole nother soapbox, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'll be at the Fiero conference, which is a uh, the gear manufacturers basically conference and, and and researchers and all that stuff. A lot of NFPA committee members. I'm doing a program on how we really wear our gear on the street. Right. Not how the researchers think we do it. Not how the manufacturers say we do it. So if anybody's got ways that they've modified their gear that would absolutely violate NFPA or whatever, but you did it. Um, I don't need names. All I need is a picture of the gear. I don't need, there won't be any fire departments in, you know, investigations coming because I blanked out everything with that. But, but my goal, I was just going to say, please blank out your department's name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm blurring the shit out of stuff. But um, <laughs> what, I, what, I will, what I will say is this. Um, I am putting together this program. Maybe I'm a one-hit wonder there because they probably won't like what I got to say. But I want I feel there's a huge disconnect between those of us still in the street, even me as a chief in the street and guys on the NFPA committee in several places, in several different committees and manufacturers and people who are getting millions and millions of dollars in research money from the feds and from universities. And it's not trickling down to us. And I believe that if we present this class and show them the very innovative ways we alter our gear and our equipment. Um, maybe they'll start listening to us a little bit and maybe we'll get a voice in it and maybe that'll get better for, I want it to be better for firemen. You know, I want it better for me, but I really want it better for your age and my kids age and you know, the next generation of firemen. Yeah. So yeah. like I said, I know, I know my, uh, I know my window is, is little by little closing. It ain't there yet, but it's starting to close. <laughs> and listen, I'll still stretch with anybody. I'm there, but I'm I know it's closing. And uh, if there's anything I can do for anybody in the fire service, I'm, I'm an open book. I'll tell you the truth. I haven't made every fire. I haven't learned every single thing, I, you know, but I've done a lot. And I've been blessed to learn from very, very good people, much smarter people than me. And um, if I can pass it on, I've done my job. And I've lived my a good life. Like I said, you know, I'm I'm blessed. I got I got three great kids, right? 
I've got a beautiful wife who, who is just really puts up with a lot of shit from me. Um, and it's my second time around. So, you know, I, I've, I've learned a lot of valuable lessons and I'm still learning every day, but learned a lot of valuable lessons and, um, uh, I'll help anybody I can. You call me, you call me at three in the morning. I don't care. You know, if you need somebody to talk to something bad is happening, I, I don't want to see another fireman die. I don't want to see another fireman take his life. I've been there. I've been on the cusp of it. Um, I don't want any of that to ever happen. You know, I've lost dear friends, right? I got, and I know they joke about tattoos and, you know, fireman mustaches and tattoos, right? I got both, right? And I didn't get them because I wanted to be cool. I just got them because I like them. And the mustache has been here since I was like 13. So, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I'll show you this arm, right? I, I got some memorials on this arm. I don't want to put more, I, you know, I got one more going on there for an old friend who, who passed away. Uh, uh, Captain Mike Clark from Dover, New Hampshire was one of the, one of the smartest firemen I ever met in my life. And, uh, I'm actually going to get some scheduled to, to put an old Clark uh, memorial on there. But my point is, uh, Carl Haddon says it all the time. Our job as old firemen are to make young firemen, old firemen. And absolutely hundred percent. And, you know, he couldn't be more right. And, um, that's, that's yeah. my job. That's my job. And if anything I can ever do to help somebody hit me up, give me a call. If you need a class, yeah, I'll pitch us. I'd love to come do a class at your place. You need a drill night on scene training. I'll, I'll do it for you. And I, and again, we ain't the only game in town, but we're pretty freaking good. And, uh, there, there's a lot of absolutely. great, great, New Jersey does have some great training companies and some great firemen and we're blessed. We are, we are freaking blessed that we're from Jersey. Right. I, I, I like your, yeah. I like your, I like your premise of this, you know, there's some, some absolute home run freaking firemen that nobody knows about that come from here. It, and you know what? It, it actually came from, I was going to all these conferences around the country and, you know, I would always be at a conference and, and somebody would come up to me and be like, oh, you're, you're the guy from Jersey. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And, it, and they'd be like, oh, so where in Jersey are you from? Oh, and you're trying to explain where on the map, if you, you know, you've yeah. been here, been there. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like I got family in Piscataway or, yeah. oh, I grew up, you know, down, down the shore in LBI. And yeah. it's like, oh, all right. And I mean, these are guys from Washington state, Illinois, uh, yeah. you know, California, Colorado, Texas, Florida, yeah. that yeah. they, they chased the job, you know, some. Oh, yeah. Something whether they went to college and they said, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to take this exam and be a fireman," or they they chased the job and they did what I did when I was younger and and went up and down the East Coast taking tests and yeah. got on the job in South Carolina, North Carolina, Maine, wherever. Yeah. yeah, like I said, my kid, my kid's in Louisiana. I never would have thought my yeah. kid was going to be in Louisiana, right? Greg says exit four, right? I'm exit seven A, bro. Anybody that yeah. asks, right? But uh. <laughs> It, it's it's a great play and and the firemen from this this state man like you start looking around like i i could give you a list of guys that that people might not even know them or don't know like look at the champo family right yeah everybody, everybody knows mike as as the legendary he's fdny nobody the realized he's from, he started he's from in jersey white, yeah he's a white cough guy right champs from white cough his, his brother johnny a white cough fireman fabulous fireman Mike swears that Johnny's better than him, you know. That's, dad, I was just gonna say that. Their their dad, same thing. So I mean, these are Jersey guys. They may have gone other places or not, but yeah. I mean, 
it's low. The state's loaded, man. We we're so Absolutely. blessed. We are, we are, we are just, we are in the hub, man. And, yeah. Not, there's there's great firemen all over the world. I go all over and I see oh, absolutely super, superstars. But I like that that you got something hometown cooking here. So absolutely, it's cool. So hi, Chief. It's you. been an excellent episode again. Thank you. I am absolutely humbled that you gave me an opportunity um, to air your story tonight. Um, hang on, I'm gonna kick you out of stage. Say good night to everybody, and then we'll say our good nights off air. Appreciate. All right, that wraps up run number 24-001 of the NJ Fire Guys podcast. Thank you for everybody who tuned in tonight. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you got something out of it. Um, again, I want to thank thank Chief Heller. Um, I Really, I thank him for my career. Um, but thank you, everybody, for tuning in. See you next weekend. Stay safe.